This morning we're going to be uh, looking into God's Word, Gospel of John, chapter 13. We'll be reading verses 1 through 17. Several weeks ago we started a series called The Last Days of Jesus, where we uh, were, are looking, began looking at those final few days, the last week of Christ, and now here we are. Uh, we are at the Passover feast, and next week we will actually look in depth at that last supper that Jesus had his disciples. But today we're going to be looking at something uh, special he did in addition to instituting the Lord's Supper. We are looking the, at the passage where Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. We need to understand something as we come into this passage before we read it. When you have someone over to your house, um, now after a while, they get used to your house, and then they're, you know, after a while, we just say, you're family. Yeah, you, you know where stuff is, you know, and, and we don't do all the niceties. We get real casual sometimes. I remember when I was coming to the current house that I, that uh, Denise and I live in, when we were going to buy it there, we had a, an appointment set up. We go over, and, and we see the couple that we're buying the house from. And the next-door neighbors walk over. Now, they just thought we were some other friends. They didn't realize we were prospective buyers. And they walk over, hey, hey, how you doing? And, and she's puffing on her cigarette, and then she just leans over on the brick of the house and puts it out right there on the brick. And I'm like, wow, they're good friends. You know, I mean, you're close if you allow your neighbor to do that. But when someone comes over for the first time, we're usually more proper and nice and everything. And, hey, can I get you some water? The bathrooms are down this way. You want something to eat? You know, we're, we're offering different things, kind of trying to make them welcome. Well, in Jesus' day, the thing that you would do when someone came over to your house, when you invited them over, you would offer them a foot wash. Okay, now, today, that is rather odd. You would think, whoa, buddy, who are you? I don't know if I want to be here. But back then, everybody knew you walked around, you had sandals, your feet were dusty, and somebody would have a basin of water, and somebody would wash feet. And um, that was just the thing to do, as strange as that sounds for us. That was the polite, the hospitable thing to do. Sometimes it would be a family servant. Sometimes it would be a member of the family. Jesus and his disciples come together in the upper room for this last supper, this special meal. And there's everything that's needed. Somebody's already laid out the basin filled with water. Somebody has already laid out the towel. Everything that needs to happen for a foot washing to occur for just so that, you know, that nicety of, of, of manners that everybody should follow, it's all ready. It can happen. Except for one thing. Nobody wanted to be the servant. You see, Jesus and his disciples, Jesus had been trying to teach them how his kingdom was different from the world's kingdom. About how, you know, in, in the world, people, they try to move up the ladder so they can step on the people below them. So they can move up and oppress those underneath them as they're going up the ladder. And Jesus kept trying to tell his disciples, quit thinking that way. Quit thinking the way the rest of the world thinks. But they just weren't getting it. And they were constantly, constantly um, getting themselves in little arguments about, I'm Jesus' favorite. No, you're not. I'm Jesus' favorite. And look, these are grown men. 
But this got so immature that it wasn't even just them. They got their mamas involved, okay? And so the mamas are coming in. I mean, this is like school kids, you know, and their parents can't leave the kids alone. The mama comes to Jesus. Jesus, would you let my boys sit closest to you? And, And so this whole thing was full of immaturity, and Jesus was trying to teach them. Listen, in my kingdom... Greatness is not achieved by putting yourself over people. Greatness is achieved by putting yourself under people to love and support and to serve them. And so the lesson that we're going to see today in this scripture is all about service. Now, if you would take your copy of God's word, if you have it or follow along on the screen and stand with me now as we read John chapter 13 beginning in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were, with, who were in the world, he loved them till the end. And after supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, And that he had come from God and that he was going to God. He rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin. And he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which which he was girded. And he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now. But you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let us pray. Father, take the power of your word, of your spirit, bring it alive for us today. Help us to understand what Jesus was communicating in that intimate meeting of he and his disciples what he wanted them to get. Let us get it. Not just in our heads, but in our hearts and in our hands. Let us understand what it means to be a servant. God, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So here's the deal. Supper was already over. Everybody had eaten the whole time with stinky, dirty feet. 
Everything that was going on in the Lord's Supper, you know, we think about, wow, that, that special time, that sacred time, that holy time. And yet, all of them had stinky, dirty feet, and all of them had been holding out saying, I'm not going to be the one to serve. I'm going to tell you that actually gives me a little bit of hope. You know why? Because I know that when I come to God, I never come to him with completely pure motives. I try. I try to be good. I try to, God, I'm here with you. But I know that that almost inevitably there's some taint of of selfishness or jealousy or unforgiveness. And and I I try to do my best to get over those things. But I say, you know what? If, If God, through Jesus could do the Lord's Supper, the the communion, the Last Supper. If he could do that in the midst of the people who one of them was full of the devil, quite literally, Judas, and the rest of them loved Jesus, but they had their own little selfish motives and their own pride. If he could work with that group and they would eventually take his message around the world, then maybe, just maybe, with all of my faults and flaws and sins, God can work with me too. So that's an encouragement to us today. But Jesus waited. He didn't do it at the beginning. He didn't even do it halfway through. Why do you think he did that? I'm guessing Jesus didn't do it at the beginning. Because if he had got that basin and started washing, I think Peter would say, Oh, Lord, I was just about to do that. You sit back down. This is what I'm going to do. Or, you know, halfway through, someone might have done the same thing. But he went through the whole supper. And nobody moved a muscle. Nobody lifted their hand to serve. And he got up. And he girded himself. He took off his outer clothes. He got ready. He got that wash basin. He got that towel. And he started washing the feet. The Last Supper, as again I said, we'll see next Sunday. We'll look at what he did and what they ate and how that went. But today I want us to look at a recipe for service. I want us to look at the ingredients that go into us being great in God's kingdom, which means serving him. Jesus said, the greatest in my kingdom will be servant of all. How do we make that? What's the recipe for becoming real servants? Because if we want to be like Jesus and we call ourselves Christians, right? What What does Christian mean? Little Christ. We're Christ followers. We're Christ mimics. We're Christ copiers. We're trying to live a life like him. And if we're going to live a life like him, our mission should be his mission. And his mission, he said in Mark 10, 45, is that the Son of Man, talking about himself, did not come to be served, but himself to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if we're going to be like Jesus, our goal is not to have everybody in this world serve us. Our goal is to have a heart that serves other people, if we're going to be like him. So how do we do that? What are some ingredients in this recipe to be a servant like Jesus? Five things I want to mention quickly this morning. Number one ingredient is love. Number one ingredient in service is love. If you don't love, you won't serve. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you're a slave to someone, you owe someone something, someone put their thumb on you and made you. Yeah, people may push you around and make you, but you will not willingly serve without love. The very first thing John says in this chapter is about Jesus and his disciples 
You know what it said? It said, having loved them from the very beginning, he loved them all the way into the end. There was this consistent love, a love that, in cap, in, uh, that in, in, in included everybody, even Judas, even the ones who weren't betrayers. Like They weren't Judases, but yet they were fickle, and, and, and they were weak, and they were selfish, and yet he still loved them. It was the kind of love that would take him to the cross. Why will you serve your children? Why will you get up in the middle of the night and change a diaper? Well, that annoying crying noise that keeps you awake, that's part of it. But hopefully, it's the fact that you love them. And so you serve And if we're going to be like Jesus, the very first thing we have to do is say, God, is my heart like your heart? God, am I loving and valuing the things that you love and value? Is my heart the same as the heart of God's? And we have to seek to have that kind of heart, that kind of love for people, if we're ever going to serve them the way that we should. We read on. And he says in verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. Second ingredient for the life of a servant is security in your identity. Security in your identity. You will never serve If you are insecure about who you are. And again, I'm not talking about the kind of service that someone's forcing you or making you do. Or you think you're a nothing and a nobody. And you serve because, well, that's all I'm worth. I'm no good. This is a completely different kind of service. Here's what the Bible says about Jesus. Jesus, fully knowing and fully realizing that he had come from God, that is He's part of the Trinity. He's the Son of God. All the universe, all creation owes him all allegiance and love and honor and power. He knew that that's where he came from, and the Bible says, and he knew that he would be going to the Father. Knowing that he was the King of kings and Lord of lords, knowing that he was salvation for all of mankind, knowing that he would be eternally with the Father in heaven. He took off his robe, he took up the towel, and he began to serve. You see, this runs so so different from the world's mindset that says, if you're serving people, uh, you must not have a a, a good self-image. You must be a nothing, you must be a nobody. You need to work your way up in this world to where you don't have to serve anyone, and everybody serves you. That's the world's thinking. But Jesus said, you know what? I am so secure. I know exactly who I am. I am the Son of God. I came from the Father, and I'm going back to the Father. And so I can serve. And you see, if you and I have that kind of of security in our identity, if we realize I'm a child of the King, God is my heavenly Father, I'm part of the family of God. Christ is my brother. He is my savior. 
I am on God's team. I'm in his army. I'm one of his servants. God calls me his friend. And so when an opportunity to serve arises, I don't care if it's embarrassing. I don't care if other people think, look at him out there. Look at what he's doing. Look what she's doing. How could she lower herself that way? You don't give a rip about little people's opinions when you know what God thinks about you. But see, there are so many people in this world that spend their lives worried about the opinions of men and women, about man's opinion rather than God's opinion. And Jesus said, I, I don't care like all these other disciples. They're good guys, but they don't get it. They're all worried about who is jockeying for position. And they can't be the greatest, they think, if they show themselves to be the servant. She said, I'm not worried about all that junk, about how people in society look at me. I know where I've come from. I know where I'm going. I know whose I am. And therefore, I know who I am. And therefore, I can serve because I am secure in my identity. And if you are secure in your identity in Christ, you don't worry about what other people think. You simply serve Jesus. So we need love. It's the first ingredient. We need that security and we need that identity. And we keep reading. He came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing now you do not understand, but you'll know after this. And Peter said, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no part of me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who's bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. The third ingredient for a servant's heart is teachability. Teachability. Those of you who, who uh, hire people, those of you who bring people into your organization, what kind of things do you look for when you, when you hire someone, when you bring on a teammate, when you get someone who's going to be a partner with you? You look at a lot of things. You look at their skill level. You look at their uh, ability, about their experience, maybe their intelligence. But one of the greatest things I've learned over the years as a pastor, whether it's volunteers or bringing on staff, is to look for teachability. Because if you're not teachable, you're at a dead end. No matter what you have achieved with your education, experience, connections, if you are no longer teachable, then, then you're at a dead end. You're never going to go any further than where you are right now. You have maximized yourself. But if you are teachable, no matter how far back you are, if you're teachable and you have motivation, then you can go as far, far as your abilities will take you. The potential is almost unlimited. Peter had a time with this whole teachability thing. I, I love that Peter's in Scripture because he's the one that blurts out the stuff and we read it and we're like, ooh, that was so dumb, Peter. I would have said the same thing. I'm glad I didn't say it, but you said it, Peter. So I can see how Jesus would have responded to me. And so Peter, he's felt uncomfortable this whole time because you know you have that sense of that feeling when you should do something. You know it's the right thing to do, but you're just resisting. And that whole time, Peter knows, there's the wash basin. There's the towel. I really ought to be going over there and doing this. But he won't because of his pride, right? 
And so his pride keeps him seated. So his pride is already up to here. And then when Jesus gets around and he's kneeling at Peter's feet, Peter's pride is just, it's gone to the top. It's exploded. Jesus, you, you cannot, you cannot wash my feet. No way. You know, sometimes the hardest thing about services can be receiving service. Sometimes we get so big on, I'm helping everyone else and everyone else needs me. The hardest thing for us to say is, no, I need others. I need God. I need his people. And Peter was there. He was like, no, Lord. And Jesus said, hey, if I don't wash your feet, sorry, you're not on my team. And, Jesus, and Peter, instead of just saying, okay, Lord, go ahead and wash him. What is he? Well, well, well if you're going to wash him, go ahead and you know, give me the all over. Not just, you know, when you go through the car wash and there's that $5 option. And if you're feeling really rich, you go up to the $20 option. He's like, give me the full wash. I want the wheels shining. I want everything done. And Peter says, Jesus says, no, Peter, you're already clean. In other words, Peter... I know your feet are dirty, but I know you took a bath this morning, okay? I know the rest of you is just fine, but you walk through some dirty streets, and so that's all that's needed. And then Jesus switches over to a spiritual level, and he says, guess what? If you're already bathed, you only need a foot washing. He said, but not all of you are clean, because he switched to this spiritual level, and he's basically saying, Peter, most of you already have me in your hearts. Most of you are already true believers. And so you're clean spiritually. You just need to come for a touch-up. You need to come back for forgiveness to get our fellowship and our relationship just right. He said, but not all of you. Why? Because Judas wasn't clean. That is, Judas never believed. He followed the crowd. He was part of the disciples, but he was never a believer. And so on the inside, where cleanliness really mattered, he wasn't clean. He says, look, Peter, you're already clean. Peter had to be teachable. That teachability involves humility. It involves acknowledging your own limits. And that's important as an ingredient in service. Fourth, fourth ingredient in service is hard work. Hard work. You see, it's not enough for us to say, well, Jesus, I agree with everything you've said. <laughs> I ought to be a servant. I have a mentality that I'm going to serve. I'm going to look at others as better myself. But you have to actually do it. You see, when you get to the, to the end, the last verse of this passage, it says, now that you know these things, you're blessed. No, it doesn't stop there. It says, now that you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. The blessing does not come just from knowing what I ought to do. The blessing comes from knowing what I ought to do and actually doing it. Jesus got ready to work. What does the Bible say? He took off that outer garment, put on a towel. I was reading the message, that paraphrase. It said he put on an apron. I thought about mine, says something like grill daddy or something like that, you know, when I'm going out to barbecue, whatever that crazy apron says my kids bought for me. You know, however you want to think, he rolled up his sleeves, he put on his coveralls, whatever you think about, he geared up because this was actual work. 
It wasn't enough to actually just say, I want to serve. Jesus actually got down on his knees and he washed the stinky, smelly feet of each and every one of these disciples. Servanthood, being a servant, is more than just a, a nice idea. It requires action. Finally, the fifth and final uh, ingredient in a life of service is the right motivation. Now, we talked about love at the beginning, and that is much of the motivation, but there is an additional motivation, and that is the motivation of blessedness. Jesus said, if you know these things, now that you know them, if you do them, you will be blessed. This is the focus of our life. You could say focus instead of, instead of motivation if you want. But the idea is, what do I want to get out of life? Am I trying to lord it over everyone else and, and get financial and popularity rewards and whatever else the, this world offers? Or am I trying to live the blessed life? We have to choose between those. Now, we need to talk about what that blessed life means. Because sometimes I see people on social media, and there they are in front of their million-dollar vacation home, and they're all groomed, and they're all nipped and tucked, and they've got designer outfits, and they got this beautiful picture, and hashtag blessed. And I'm like, ugh. You know, there for them, hashtag blessed means we're going to sound religious and spiritual when all I'm basically doing is bragging about all my kids are better than yours. I got a better house, better car, better clothes, look better, all this. And, but we're hashtag blessed, so we're not really bragging. We're acting like we're all spiritual. No. What is a blessed life? It has nothing to do with our vacation homes and how beautiful our families look and, and whatever else else. Blessing, a blessed life, is a life that receives the um, favor and, and the approval of God. Jesus said, if you want a blessed life. Now, will a blessed life result in some material blessings along the way? Absolutely. But the Bible never says whether we get those things. Some of us get them in this life, some of them in the next. But the blessed life, what it definitely means in this life is that I know the way that I'm walking, the way that I'm talking, the way that I'm living, it is pleasing God. And so I am walking in his favor. I am living in a way that God looks and he says, yes, well done. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I don't have to go back and ask for forgiveness for stuff. Sure, I do. But all of us, if we're walking in a way where we are pleasing God, and that is a way of love, of humility, of sacrifice, of service, God says that is the type of life that will be blessed. I want to tell you, you can have all the money and all the recognition and all the talent in the world and yet not have a life that is blessed by God. Now, by the way, all of us get some blessings. The Bible tells us that there's not a person on this earth that's not blessed in some way. The rain falls on the good and the evil, the Bible says. But there is an extra level of blessing there is an extra level of knowing that you are walking with the God of this universe. And when that motivates your life, when you're out not to be number one, but to acknowledge number one, when you're out to do whatever he wants you to do, God says there's something special there for those who do that for me. Five ingredients. In most cookbooks, that would... Uh, that would qualify as a simple meal, right? I mean, that's one of those things people buy. They're like 200 
easy, delicious recipes in 15 minutes or less. You know, oh, I want that. And of course, it's never that good or that quick as it, as it advertises, or maybe it's really unhealthy because you used everything processed out of a can. But I mean, really, five, that sounds simple. It is simple. It's not always easy, though. To really love people, to really be teachable, uh, to really rest in our identity in Christ, to look for him for blessings, to really work hard. It's simple things we can all understand. The key is saying, God, help me to actually do these things so I can be a servant, just like Jesus is a servant, so that my heart will be like your heart. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that Jesus did not come to this earth simply to boss everybody around and to use the power and authority that he was rightfully his. He could have done that, but God, that's not why he came. Lord, he came because you in eternity past, as Father, Son, and Spirit, decided that you loved us rebellious people so much that even though we sinned against you, God, you chose to offer a way of redemption through sacrifice, through the way of the ultimate servant, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to put our trust in our faith in him. For those who have never believed, Father, may this be a day that they believe Jesus, you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins. I'm a sinner, but you're a Savior. Father, some may need to come to you in belief today for the very first time. Lord, for those of us who have believed already, Father, we come to you calling out that you would restore and renew and grow our belief, that our faith and trust in you, God, would only grow. Forgive us, God where we've bought into the world's ways of thinking. Lord, help us to have a heart like your heart. God, bless this time now of, of response and of invitation to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.